Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today we're very pleased to have our second appearance on Butts and Guts, Dr. David Muska, who is the director of the Sanford R. Weiss MD Center for Hereditary Colorectal Neoplasia, what we like to call the Weiss Center. David, welcome back to Butts and Guts. Thanks so much for having me back. So as our listeners out there may know, uh, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, depending on the year, it's between the second or third cause of cancer-related death every year in the United States. But there's advances in early detection and treatment that make it one of the most preventable and treatable forms of cancer. And so today we're going to dig a little bit more into that and a subsection of that being the hereditary aspect of colorectal cancer today with Dr. Liska. And again, I just want to remind all of our listeners out there that when you're done with this one, please look up Dr. Liska's 2020 appearance talking about this trend of colorectal cancer in young adults. So, David, for those who haven't listened to that, can you please give us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where'd you train, and how did it get to the point that you're here with us? Sure. So, I'm originally from Vienna, Austria, and I came here to the Cleveland Clinic after doing my general surgery training in New York City at Weill Cornell, and then came here for my colorectal surgery fellowship training, which is now about seven years ago, and I've been here ever since. Well, we're not gonna focus as much about colorectal cancer and the pathogenesis and anything. We wanna take this look at hereditary colorectal cancer neoplasia. So let, let's just start with basic definitions. I, you hear the term neoplasia, what is that? Is that equal cancer, hereditary? What is that? Is everybody hereditary? Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about the Y Center, what it means and kind of what it really means to have hereditary colorectal neoplasia? Right, so, so neoplasia is a term that means that there's cancerous uh, cells happening within the tissue of, of the body somewhere. And so a neoplasia can be a cancer, but it can also be a precancerous lesion. Now, hereditary colorectal cancer, so it's important to know that most colorectal cancers are not considered hereditary, and only approximately 5% of all colorectal cancers are considered hereditary. And what we mean when we talk about a hereditary colorectal cancer is that there's the cancer is due to a known genetic mutation or variant that is passed on from parents to their offspring. And there's several different well-defined colorectal cancer syndromes that are hereditary. With some of these hereditary syndromes, the risk of colorectal cancer can be as high as 70 to 100%. So, so some of these syndromes really give you a very high risk for colorectal cancer. And some of the syndromes are also associated with increased risk for other cancers besides cancers in the colon. So we're going to dig into some of the more common ones here in a bit. But, you know, you said a couple of interesting things there so that the minority of colorectal cancers are hereditary. But what are some of the increased risks for a patient that come with hereditary colorectal cancer? So the the increased risk of hereditary colorectal cancer. So, again, it depends on the type of syndrome that we're talking about, because different syndromes have different types of risk and different uh, degrees of risk. And there are some syndromes like I said, that can have a 100% risk of developing colorectal cancer, whereas other ones are, are much lower, you know, uh, 20 to 30%. Still extremely high when compared to non-hereditary colorectal cancer. So um, that's why it's important to know when you have hereditary colorectal cancer, it's not enough to know that you have a form of hereditary colorectal cancer, but it's also important to know which one, and, and that's where the genetic testing really comes in uh, to be really important. 
So we like to have a little game here on Butts and Guts called Truth or Myth. So Truth or Myth, if a member of my immediate family, my immediate family now, David, has colorectal cancer, I'm likely to get it as well. Truth or myth? Um, not exactly. Neither truth or myth. So that, that's a very important question, though. So besides the well-defined colorectal hereditary cancer syndromes where we have a known genetic variant, we also know that people with a first-degree relative, which is what I'm assuming you mean with my immediate family, right? Those are first-degree relatives, so father, mother, son, uh, daughter, siblings. Those, those are first-degree relatives. So if you have a first-degree relative with colorectal cancer, or maybe even not a cancer, but an advanced polyp, so, so it's not only cancers that do that, but even advanced pops can be a sign that you are at a higher risk for colorectal cancer than the average population. And this is very common. About 25 to 30% of patients who are diagnosed with colorectal cancer report having a relative with cancer as well, with colorectal cancer. So having a first-degree relative can double one's risk of developing a colorectal cancer. So yeah, if you have a first-degree relative, you are more likely to get colorectal cancer, but you're still not as high likelihood as with one of those uh, highly penetrant hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes. So the bottom line is, and, and we're gonna get back to that probably, but it's really important to know what your family history is. Truth or myth, hereditary colorectal cancer will appear at a younger age than kind of the average colorectal cancer diagnosis. We can say age 50 or not. Yeah, so that's absolutely true. Uh, one of the hallmarks of hereditary colorectal cancer is that people can develop cancers at a young age or multiple cancers at, over the years. So, so that's when we see a patient who develops colorectal cancer at a young age, one of the things we always think about, could this maybe be a hereditary colorectal cancer syndrome? Or if they're not necessarily below the age of 50, but have had several cancers uh, over the years, or maybe even diagnosed with two cancers at the same time. So those are all that make us um, sort of pause and think maybe we're de dealing with hereditary colorectal cancer syndrome. And um, now still, it is important to note that not all people who have colorectal cancer at a young age have a hereditary syndrome. Again, most people don't have a defined hereditary colorectal cancer syndrome, even at a young age. So, so not all young people with colorectal cancer have hereditary syndrome, but yes, all people with hereditary colorectal cancer syndrome are at higher risk for developing cancer at a young age. I just want to tell our listeners out there right now that the one thing I can tell you about this entire topic we're talking today is there's a lot of different syndromes. There's a lot that's expanding. There's a lot of different genes and confusing terms. We're going to keep it at a little bit higher level so our listeners have a good understanding of what's going on. So, David, I know there's a lot of different, uh, as you talked about, syndromes that might be out there, but there's a few that are more common than others. And why don't we focus on a little bit of a 10,000-foot overview of two of them in particular, then maybe we can touch on a, maybe one of the others. But uh, let, let's talk about Lynch syndrome and FAP or attenuated FAP. Can, let's start with Lynch. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of that and, um, and kind of what that entails, what that involves, and kind of how we go about managing and evaluating and following these patients? Right. So, so as you said, the two most common hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes are Lynch syndrome and FAP. And Lynch syndrome is the most common one and accounts for about 2 to 3% of all colorectal cancers that we see. So still a significant minority, but it is the most common hereditary syndrome. Now, Lynch syndrome, besides being associated with an increased risk for colorectal cancer, is also associated with an increased risk for other cancers. 
such as uterine cancer, um, stomach cancer, urinary tract cancers, and skin cancer, among others. So that's one of the things to keep in mind with Lynch syndrome specifically, that it's not just the colon we need to worry about, but it's other cancers that can happen as well. And then FAP is, is like I said, the second most common one, and that affects about 1% of all colorectal cancer. And FAP is quite different from Lynch in the sense that it usually presents at an earlier age. And FAP stands for familial adenomatous polyposis. And what that means is that individuals with the syndrome uh, are prone to developing lots and lots of polyps in their colon, precancerous polyps. Some people can, even young kids can have thousands of polyps in their colon. So it looks very different from Lynch syndrome uh, when you look at the colon and also the type of risks we talk about are, are quite different. So David, I know that with both of these, as you said, people may get one of the secondary malignancies or one of the secondary problems and it need to be worked up and treated and evaluated and surveyed as such. But in general, if we just kind of take these two disease processes and say, you know, how do we, what are the tests, the mandatory tests that people would typically get upon diagnosis of them? And then what are the options for treatment of them? Specifically as it rates, we'll focus on the colon for right now, but what is that? And then a question I get asked quite a bit that maybe you can answer is that if my mom or my dad had one of these, does that mean I'm going to get it? So those, those are very good and uh, very common questions that patients ask us. And um, both Lynch syndrome and FAP are inherited in an autosomal dominant fashion. And what that means is that a child of a person with uh, one of these syndromes has about a 50% chance of getting it as well. So you're not guaranteed to get it, but you, you do have a 50% uh, chance of getting it. There are now more advanced pre-implantation genetic testing techniques that can sometimes predict if a child will have the syndrome, um, but that's sort of a, a separate topic. And then it all depends a little bit on how that person presents. So if a patient presents with just a new diagnosis of Lynch syndrome that was done due to genetic testing, and that can happen due to a family history, or now um, a lot of these commercial genetic tests are becoming more popular, like the different companies that offer just to do genetic testing, and some of them can pick up some of these syndromes. And that's something we probably will see more commonly. So you might have a person who does one of these tests and just finds out they have Lynch syndrome. So what's next? One of the most important things for Lynch syndrome, again, uh, the highest risk in terms of cancers is the colon, will be a colonoscopy. And, and depending on the age where you find it out, but usually you have Lynch syndrome, we start to do colonoscopies when they're 20 to 25 years old. And that will be the first test to see what we're dealing with in terms of is there any cancer already there or any polyps that are pre-malignant cancers. And then with Lynch syndrome, again, because the risk is not as high as for uh, something with FAP, and um, usually if there's no cancer, we don't recommend any prophylactic surgery to just remove the colon to avoid a cancer, because we do believe that as long as we can keep a very close eye on the colon, and that usually entails uh, almost annual colonoscopies, um, that we can uh, prevent cancer without having to resort to surgery. So one of the things that gets also confused out there is, what does it mean to have genetic testing? What does that mean? And then what do they do to the tumor? And, you know, we talk about the words, you know, maybe microsatellite instability or not. That's patients may see that on their pathology report. How do, how do these things go together? So, so that, that's a great point. So 
Nowadays, uh, something we started at our institution and some other institutions do that as well. For any colorectal cancer that gets surgically removed, um, our pathologists do special tests on the tumor tissue um, that look uh, for certain proteins that are created by some of the genes we see that can be mutated in, a, in Lynch syndrome. And that's an initial screening test. And when that comes back positive, meaning that these proteins are missing, in, in the tumor, that sort of raises a flag then that we're potentially dealing here with Lynch syndrome. And the only way to confirm it then though is with genetic testing where usually it's blood, sometimes saliva, but usually blood will get tested for if the gene itself that's responsible for creating that protein, if that's affected with one of the mutations we see in Lynch syndrome. Now the genes that are affected by Lynch syndrome, they're called mismatch repair genes or mismatch repair proteins are the proteins that they make. And those proteins are in charge of fixing little errors that happen inside the DNA. As a person ages, you know, the body keeps continuously turning out new, new cells and errors happen in the DNA when that happens. And our body has a defense mechanism for that, which are these uh, mismatch repair proteins that repair any errors that happen uh, in the DNA. And when a person has Lynch syndrome, some of these proteins are missing, which then can introduce more mutations in tissues that can then lead to tumors. So in a roundabout way here, what I'm saying is that we do a universal screening test on the tumor tissue that looks for these proteins. And when they are missing, and that tells us, let's look for the genes to see if there's a Lynch syndrome there. So David, you are the director of the Weiss Center. So can you give a listeners an overview of the center? Uh, what does it encompass? Uh, what, what does this center do? The Weiss Center is really a group um, of individuals, physicians, uh, genetic counselors, coordinators um, from many different disciplines. Uh, and we all have an interest and expertise in uh, taking care of patients with hereditary colorectal cancer syndromes. And our goal or our mission in the Y Center is um, to prevent cancer and uh, make sure that nobody dies from colorectal cancer by educating our patients, by uh, doing appropriate surveillance and surgery when needed, and also advance the field through research. David, one of the things that the Weiss Center has is uh, a patient registry. What, what is that? Uh, why is it unique and why is it important? How, what can it tell both patients as well as physicians? So our hereditary colorectal cancer registries, which are a big part of the Weiss Center, they were started about 40 years ago by Dr. Jagelman, a colorectal surgeon here at the Cleveland Clinic. And that's why they're named the, the Jagelman Registries. And the goal of the registry really is to collect information about individuals with colorectal cancer and their families. And this allows us then to continue monitoring and treating patients and their relatives, but also very importantly, learn more about the disease and potentially develop new treatments. At the beginning of this discussion, we talked about how colorectal cancer that's hereditary is pretty rare. We're talking about you know, FAP 1%, lynchinum 2 to 3%. So without having these registries where we can collect um, families and their information on what they've gone through and uh, you know, what we found in them, you really can't figure out much about these diseases. And many of the genes that cause hereditary colorectal cancer were really discovered just by carefully collecting data on families participating in such registries. So the registries you know, are not just important to take care of patients who have them, but really to advance the field so that we can learn more about it and develop new treatments. So David, I know we only talked about two of the major ones being FAP and Lynch syndrome. 
but what's on the horizon as far as additional research or identifying and treating patients with hereditary colorectal cancers? So yeah, we, we continuously work on, on developing better ways to prevent cancer. While a big important part of our WISE Center and what we do for our patients is we don't only look to prevent cancer, we also want to maintain the optimal quality of life for our patients with hereditary colorectal cancer. So this includes developing and testing new drugs that can potentially prevent colorectal cancer and thereby maybe prevent the need for surgery, but also at the same time refining our surgical approach, be it with minimally invasive surgery or better uh, care paths around the surgery to make the entire surgical episode less invasive and easier to recover from. We also continuously collect data from our registries to figure out which cancers we need to be screening for at what intervals and what testing modality is the best for a given syndrome. So congratulations again on uh, what you are doing with the Weiss Center. What's, what's a final take home message for our listeners here? So yeah, as I, as I started out, it's really important to know your family history. There's no way uh, of knowing if you have hereditary colorectal cancer syndrome, or even if you don't have hereditary cancer syndrome, to know what your risk is for developing colorectal cancer without knowing uh, your family history. And you know, it is understandable that some families don't like talking about uh, conditions that afflicted their loved ones, but being aware of one's family history, especially if it affected more than just one family member, can point to a hereditary syndrome that can be tested for. And knowing that you have a hereditary syndrome can then guide screening that can prevent cancer and save lives. Well, that's fantastic stuff. And as everyone who listens to Butts and Guts knows, we like to wind up with some quick hitters. And David, I asked you four of the kind of standard ones already. So since you're a second guest one, we'll branch out a little bit and ask some new ones. So what's your favorite band or musical group? Um, the Beatles. Britney Spears, fantastic. And what's a hidden talent that you have, David, that we're not aware of? Hidden talent. Um, I can yodel. Fantastic. And so a lot of people checking out new series on many different platforms out there. What's a, what's a series that we should check out, David, that you feel like, Hey, our listeners there maybe need to check out whether it's on any one of the different networks. I think it was on Netflix. It was absolutely on uh, Netflix and a very good one at that. Uh, although I think that that is in subtitles, if I remember right. And then, um, I, you know, I talk about what's your favorite thing about Cleveland, but to wind up, what is one of your favorite places in the world to travel? You are from Austria, so what is one of your favorite places to travel? Um, I'm particular to Italy. We used to go there every summer. It was a quick drive down from Austria and sort of great memories. Absolutely. And hopefully the world will open up and we can all take these opportunities again, if possible. So... To learn more about hereditary colorectal cancer, as well as the Weiss Center, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash Weiss Center. That's clevelandclinic.org slash Weiss Center. And remember, Weiss is W-E-I-S-S. That's W-E-I-S-S-C-E-N-T-E-R. You can also call the Weiss Center at 216-444-6470. That's 216-444-6470. And for information on colorectal cancer screenings or to schedule a colonoscopy, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash colonoscopy. That's clevelandclinic.org slash colonoscopy. And again, my listeners always understand, I see this all the time, but please remember in times like these, it's important for you and your family to continue to receive medical care. And rest assured here at the Cleveland Clinic, we're taking all the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities and protect our caregivers and patients. So David, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks so much for having me.
That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.